Trapped within every individual is a natural ability to succeed. But success in its continuity depends on discovery of self and life purpose, usage of resources around, wise planning, and setting priorities. Benga Ademujimi, a certified life coach and NLP master practitioner, is here to expose you to the right principles to discover the gold in you, develop your potential, and display a life of excellence and significance. Welcome to Navigator Lifeguard. Um, I know that that may be a complicated thing to do because if you hear the kind of thing that I have just heard, um, at one point in time, when I stood up trying to find my seat, I nearly fell down. Under the anointing of knowledge, deep knowledge, you know, the Bible says the deep calleth unto the deep. So there are some things that are surface. There are some things that are deep. And I think that, sir, you have taken us into the depths of wisdom to take us to the heights of the mountains. And God is going to bless you in ways that you cannot understand. Because the issues that are troubling the African mind is a deep issue. And so now you've gone to the depths to go and get it from there. And I believe that what we need to do is to put you on every radio, put you on every radio, not just in Nigeria, throughout Africa and wherever there's an African human being. So that tells me that you have to go global. You don't have a choice. You've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to go global. You've got to go global. You've got to go global. Man. I don't even know what I should say to you. But you've said everything I want to say. I've heard many people say to me, the worst thing that can happen to them is to want to speak after Philadro to I disagree. The worst thing that can happen to you is to want to speak after Congressional. Would you please appreciate the gift of God? Structured and contained. An unlimited gift packaged in a limited being. I'm talking about the gift, not the man. When I begin to talk about gift, I'm speaking about the giver of that gift. So I thought that now you would be able to show some appreciation because he pours not only on the just but also on the just. So how much less on two just people? I found out that God is not a tantalizer. I have no problem with the brand. Well, God is a tasty. And I do not have any particular brand and alliance with tasty fried chicken. What I'm saying in very short terms is that God does not show you things to intimidate you. He shows them to you to inspire you. And if you don't understand that, then he begins to say, don't you get it? That I have seen Kunlishorio. Ears have heard Kunlishorio. Kunlishorio is no longer a figment of imagination. Now, what I has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has not yet come into the hearts of people is the potential that is sitting inside you. If you can only understand that, then you will know that the greatest success and accolades that anyone commands is the least of the expectation that is required of you. God's expectation of what you are carrying inside is what has not yet been seen. So whatsoever has been seen 
has already been revealed. So now that the ante has been upped, which is the wrongest reason why you should try to be like anybody else. Because God didn't create copies. Neither did he set copying as an aspiration. Even Jesus came and first made a mistake by saying, if you believe upon me, the things I do, shall you do? I said, no, sorry. I got that wrong. Greater things shall you do. Never has there been a correction in one. That was the height of humility. Jesus recognizing, down. I didn't get that right. Immediately changed it. Greater things. Greater things. Jesus did not set himself as something that you should totally just look up. Ah, and if it is true that if they were to document all that he did, the world would not be able to contain it. Can you imagine what greater would be? Oh, no, no, no. I want your mind to stretch. Tell somebody, stretch your mind. I mean, you know what? something that God told me recently. He said Solomon came to God. Well, it happened that God came to Solomon in a dream, having, having sold so much. And God came to him in a dream and said to him, my son, what do you want? Give Solomon a blank check. And Solomon had the wisdom to ask for wisdom. A foolish boy would have asked for money. But Solomon was already loaded with wisdom. From the left depth of wisdom that he had, he realized he needed more to manage the assignment that was in front of him. So Solomon asked for wisdom and understanding. And God said to him, My boy, because you didn't ask me for the things that normal foolish people would have asked for, right? You have asked for wisdoms and understanding. Then, you know what I'll do? I will give you wisdom, understanding, and the kind of riches and honor that nobody would have been like you in the past and nobody will be like you in the future. And God gave Solomon. But what he did was a very strange thing. The Bible says, God gave Solomon wisdom. Did he promise he would do so? Did he promise? And God gave him understanding. Did he promise he would do so? What was the third thing God said he would give him? What did God give him? The largeness of heart. Ah, I stopped. Rewound. I went back. A few verses. What did God say he was going to give him? I will give you riches. I will give you wisdom, understanding, and riches. What did God deliver? Give him wisdom, understanding, and the largeness of heart. I put my hand on my head. I realized that it was not riches that produces that produced Solomon's wealth. It was the largeness of heart. God asked me a very simple question. What do you think is the difference between you and Bill Gates? In humility, I said, the largeness of heart. Somebody came to me and said, fella, my God, we were talking about you. And somebody said, where does that guy get the kind of courage to open his mouth and say, let us go and paint Mushi. And then they will paint 
294 houses in one day to open his mouth and say we will go and buy mat sets and forfeit tables for all the children and by 2025 nigeria will be the center for academic excellence in the world and it will be the world's most desired where do you get it because you know the truth i've sat down with you in your quiet place and i know you believe what you're saying i said because god gave me the largeness of heart you are a nation you are a nation one you is a nation if only we could understand this what Kunle Shonryo has done today is to stretch the boundaries of our heart. What Remy Dairo has done is to provide you with the opportunity to have a problem going out. Your mind should be so large they need to break down the walls for you to be able to leave this place. Because you came in and you could afford to come in through the door but haven't been pumped need you to begin to see things. Achievement is the vision of the things that you can see for yourself. Accomplishment is the vision of things you can see for others. Achievers become rich. Accomplishers become great. Obafemi Awolo was an accomplisher. Not just an achiever. As a lawyer, he was an achiever. He says we don't need successful people. Great lofty heights at him. Not successful lofty heights at him. Great lofty heights at him. You may be seated for a second. My job here is just to thank you for coming, to bless you, and release you to go and do the things that you will do. Time has already been fast, you are overloaded. I will not contribute to that which you are currently carrying, which will cause even a constipation within your soul. But I just want to read you something, if you don't mind. Is it okay for me to read something to you? Blow Remedi Reikis if you want me to read it. Oh, no, you guys aren't doing it. You don't know how to blow. I say blow and make it something. <laughs> Where are all the people that have worked to make this happen? Where are they? Everybody that has worked to make this happen, stand on your feet today. Please, everyone that has worked to make this happen. I want you to jam those hands together. I once preached a message called Find Your Us. Find your us. Behind every unfulfilled dream is an us that has not been found. Behind every unfulfilled dream is a network of collaboration that Kunle spoke about that has not yet been connected. There's something and someone, and they're not necessarily above you. Not necessarily. Many times they are at your level. There's a reason why the hands are designed mostly 
Yes, you can have access to things, but every time to keep your hands up, very difficult. But then, to keep your hands down is natural because you can pick up people. Your hands were designed to raise things, not pull things down. Many of the people that you will need to bring your dreams to pass are not at your level. They are the ones that you despise the most. But if you can understand that with that remnant that you have, those are the people that you need. Those are the people that you need. I have a video on my, on my pro. Oh man, it's almost one hour something. You guys can't even watch it. It's one week of Obama's life in the White House. Go and look at all the people working with him. 23 year old, 24 year old, making mighty waves. Why? He realized that there's a reason why God created his hand lower than his shoulder. Pull them up. I want you to put those hands together for this wonderful people. All right. How many people have had an incredible time today? Okay. Well, I want to bust your bubble. Please be seated. The delicacy of the, of the flavor of knowledge does not produce results. It's not how sweet the delivery of Kunle Shonenya was that produces the results that you prefer. In reality, Kunle Shonenya was not brought here because of his speaking capacity. He was brought here because of the recognition of what he had done with the knowledge that he had. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say here. And the only reason why you are here to listen to Kulneshwarya is because there's something in him that you want that is called the grace to do what you have heard. You know, one of the most amazing things that people miss out on is the power of the Holy Spirit as a speaker. Too many people come and meet me and ask me that they want to meet with me. They want to sit down with me. They want to tell me their dream. And I say, fantastic. And occasionally, maybe I'm able to find the time. Occasionally. And then, it's amazing that I, I ask them, so, so what did God say? Ah, they say, I haven't heard a word from God. What are you doing with me? If you have not heard a word from God about this matter, how be it you can reduce your ear to the level of common mortal? I asked them, are you saved? They said, yes. Do you speak in tongues? They say, yes. Well, that's supposed to be one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit is with you. A wonderful gentleman here today said something to me and he said, Look, Masai, I need to meet you. And I said, because you said you need to meet me, we will not meet. And I'm sure that he probably, initially, may have been a bit hurt. So I took the time to try to explain. I said, no, you don't need to meet me. You would like to meet me. I want you to take that thing that is inside you 
that you see that causes a reflection and go and work it to a point where I need to meet you. A few weeks ago at a program called Ignite, I stood my legs almost shaking as Dr. Miles Monroe was coming. I had gone to tell Pastor Gandhi that, sir, I would like you to introduce me to Dr. Miles Monroe. He said, no problem. As Dr. Miles Monroe came into the room, everywhere I said, Pastor Gandhi said, uh, Dr. Miles, this is, he said, don't tell me who he is. I know him. That's fella Durotoye. I know him. I know you. You are doing great things. In all humility, I put my hand on my head. I realized I didn't even have a clue who I was. See, I've lived by a principle that said that if I can work my field, my field will bring me close to the field of all the people I would love to meet. It was that same principle that helped me to meet Reverend Sam. It was that same principle that has helped me to meet ministers, governors. Never looked for anybody. Never, not once. Never. Never tried to get to arrange to meet anybody. If Miles Monroe was not coming to the room where I was, I would not have asked that anybody should. Because I believe that in reality, the power behind your name is not in the pronunciation of your name, is in what your name means. And what your name means is not in a language. It's in result. So when I say to you, Golf, whose name comes to your mind? If I said to you, Tiger Woods, what comes to your mind? Does tiger, is tiger not supposed to be an animal? Is wood not supposed to be a forest? I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. But you have to understand that it's not the, the literary interpretation of your name that gives it power. It's what you have done. Your name is the address of the solution people are looking for. Your name is the address of a solution that people are looking for. Until you can be able to build that address to a credible address. A formidable address. And it becomes difficult. It becomes difficult. What are you going to do with all of this? I wish you would not leave this place and regardless of what time they will close until you have written three things down that you will do. I'm not talking about nice things. I'm not talking about, yeah, I'm going to use it judiciously, number one. I'm going to use it ferociously, number two. I'm going to use it calamitously, number No, 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 no. Three things that when you have done them, you can strike them. That becomes your mission. As you were speaking, I realized that in every organization, the guys on the top are working with the sense of mission the guys at the bottom are working with the sense of submission. When you don't have mission, you will submit. What takes you from submission to mission is a mind reprogramming. 
you can't find a mission for your life, you will have to operate in a place of sob to another man that has a mission. And it's okay if you haven't found it because everything is in stages and seasons. But for God's sake, at least find a mission that, that resonates with you if you're going to sob to that mission. Find one that you are not complaining about. Find one that inspires you in the morning. If you haven't found the mission to your life, find somebody who's doing something you admire. It is not likely to be very far by the time your own comes. I will never have known that I will be doing what I'm doing today. Never. At least not 10 years ago. All I was was looking for a man that had a, something that he was doing that inspired me and I found for Lucia Phillips. Great inspiration. And I found my mission within his. So it was easy for submission. My mission ultimately was not contrary to his. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pending when you find your mission, identify somebody else's mission that you sub to effortlessly. I want to just read you something very quickly. I will not take your time. Time is already gone. I want to read you an article from Time Magazine. And it says, Africa, colon, the Nigerian millionaires. Along with pride in status and problems of self-government, independence for the 31 nations of black Africa means the emergence of black businessmen. A few flourish on cottage industries that a few flourish on cottage industries, that early stage of every economy. Some are the opportunistic agents of the colonial companies that formerly ruled them. Now, however, more of Africa's new businessmen are not only university trained and experienced, but surprisingly sophisticated in trade and finance. With a population of 55 million, and an economy that grows 4% every year, the number of Nigerian millionaires is growing almost as fast as the country itself. In peanuts and petroleum, even before Britain withdrew five years ago, Nigeria had a flourishing trade exporting peanuts, cotton, palm kernel, and cocoa, and importing in exchange manufactured goods, food, and tobacco. The first native millionaires made their money by competing with the white man for his trade. Amongst Nigeria's richest businessmen is Alaji Sanusi Dantata, 46 years old, who buys and ships much of the rich Kano's region's peanut crop. Dantata's agents last year bought 84,000 tons from small farmers paid with traditional handful of coins counted out in a dusty <laughs> village square. Sir Odumegu Ojuku, 66, knighted shortly before independence, started off by importing dried fish for resale, 
to non-fishing Nigerians and then decided to ship the fish inland himself instead of leaving the job to others. He also amassed the country's largest fleet of mami wagons, the trucks that carry Nigerians, including market women who give the, the trucks their name from place to place. In today's Niger new Nigeria, businessmen are more likely to succeed by producing new goods or services. Samobolaji Bank Anthony, 59, known as the black Englishman for his impeccable manners and imperturbable air, began by importing cuckoo clocks and marble statues. He now controls or owns part of 10 companies, including a tanker fleet and a charter airline. Emmanuel Akwiku, 43, earned law degrees in Cambridge. Returning home just as Nigeria's oil boom began, he organized a company that now has 70 vehicles, hauls oil rigs, and supplies for British Petroleum Limited. Chief, sorry, there's somebody trying to reach me. Chief Shafi Lawal Edu, 54, who is president of Lagos Chamber of Commerce, has built a fleet of eight oil tankers. He owns a silver blue Rolls Royce and usually drives around in a Mercedes, which he thinks is less ostentatious. So when he wants to do low profile, he will drive his Mercedes. When he wants to step, step up, he drives his Rolls Royce. Many Nigerian businessmen have taken advantage of the novel opportunities that inevitably accompany broadening prosperity. I'm just going to read a few more and then we close. Chief Timothy Adeolao Dutola, 63, a one-time farmer, developed a business to produce bicycle tires for the growing army of bikes. He has done so well and is now adding a $1.7 million plant. He plans eventually to harvest his own rubber from his 5,000-acre plantation. Permit me to just do two more. A former office worker, Adetuyo, 63, cast around for a business that would have first priority in people's spending. Therefore, he opened a bakery that today has four shops and makes 115 products. The firm's unusual name, De Facto Works Limited, was shrewdly chosen by Tuyo to impress Nigerian bankers with the fact that he was seriously in business. The last one I'm going to read to you. Bayo Braithwaite, 36, one of Nigeria's younger businessmen, left a British insurance company and found a firm that would write life insurance on Nigerians, which the British underwriters avoided. So, so successful has Bayo Braithwaite been that his African Alliance Insurance Company occupies a six-story Lagos home office and has 300 bush-beating agents. Bio lives in an elegant house in Sobaban Ekoi, where glass and concrete are deliberately intermixed with African folk art to prove that the two need never clash. Well, there's so much more that I can share with you. But the last thing I just want to say is yes, this was a time sentence commentary, and it was. 46 years ago. Friday, September 17, 1965 was when this was written. 
The big question I have for you today, if you don't mind, is where are the companies that were being talked about? I've read out a lot to you, sis. Where are all the companies? Where's the Dutala's companies? Where's de facto works? What's the address of Chief Mubalaji Bankantoni's company? I do not in any way rejoice over and do not mean to in any way make mockery of the people that have gone ahead because in most cases we're doing exactly the same thing. What I wanted to do was just to really come to you and say to you, well, it's not how much you make that adds value to the next generation. It's what you're able to take, grow, retain, sustain, multiply. It's five o'clock. We do not have the time. But I needed to leave you with this thought. That you can be a businessman. You can be an entrepreneur. And that's one stage of life. And then you can grow like, like um, uh, Kunle Shorinya said, into growing into an enterprise, which is the place of organization. But I want you to understand that if you're ever going to be able to pass on enduring wealth to your children, it will never come in a will. It will never be found on paper. Because enduring wealth can only be passed into the heart of the next generation. Whatever can be written on paper can be torn. Mm -hmm. Whatever you pass into the hearts of the children can never be torn. It's one of those useful things that you might want to write. There can be no true success until you have a successful successor. It's not having a successor that makes you succeed. Otherwise, the guy that came first in the, hundred, in the first hundred laps should have been guaranteed success. But many times, if you're right, running a 400-meter relay race, it's not necessarily the guy that came first in the first 100 meters that matters. It's the people that came first at the last 400 meter. That is the team that wins. Regardless of whether the person on that team that ran the first 400 was only fifth or sixth. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. The last relay race that was run in Germany recently proves my point exactly. The Jamaican team was already second or third until they handed it over to the boat. And he took out everybody in the last 400, 100, the, the last of the 100 meters that was left. So I need to help you understand that many times when we start to talk about succession issues is not is not when you have had kids and after you are old and gray that you should start thinking about that it's right now it's understanding that your life produces a generational cycle and however you live your life will either add vantage or disadvantage to the people that you're going to hand your button to. 
however it is that you run your race will give your children advantage or disadvantage. It's more likely for the children of the poor to be poor. It's not guaranteed. And it is more likely for the children of the wealthy, I didn't say the rich, because riches are only a reflection of purchasing power. Wealth is the capacity to produce it. You can become rich by, by lottery. You can become rich by inheritance. You can become rich because you found money somewhere. You can become rich because somebody gave money to you. You can become rich because you stole money. But you can never become wealthy that way. Too many rich people but poor. The opposite of rich is not poor. Poor is the opposite of wealthy. It is possible for me to have to be wealthy but not have cash. That doesn't make me poor. A poor man is the person who doesn't know what to do to get out of poverty. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you notice that all these wonderful people built large companies, made a lot of money, drove fancy cars, and yet they don't even have houses on the streets that are named after them. You wonder where their children are. Can anybody tell me the name of Adetuyo's son or daughter? Please understand that Chief Tunji Braithwaite is not the son of Bayo Braithwaite. He's his brother. So you want to tell me the name of Bayo Braithwaite's son? Just remind me again of that Odutola's firstborn's name again. What is... So the question that I'm here to ask you and I'm hoping that it troubles your soul is what are you doing differently from the people that have gone before you? What are you doing differently? They were able to be entrepreneurs. They were enterprising. They built companies. I will tell you the one thing they didn't do. They did not build institutions. Institutions are what Ford built. Institutions are what Heinz built. Institutions are what Kellogg's built. Institutions are what McDonald's built. Institutions are what Walt Disney and his brother built. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If I were to ask you how many businesses you know that are three generations strong today, can you remember any? That was started out by the grandfather, the son took it over, and now the grandson has taken it to another level. Do you know any? In Nigeria. Which ones? Which ones? Well, was it started by the grandfather? It was started by the, by the father. 
Mr. Thomas is my is my friend, so he's he's still the one running it, and I don't know that he's it. So. We have two generational businesses. We've got Leadway Assurance, okay, started by a man. His children have taken it over. We've got Thomas Insurance. We've got a few others, but but they're not. FCMB, the man is still there. The man is still there. He's not even just alive. He's active. He comes to work every Thursday. He comes to work every Thursday. Please, now, last year he was coming every Tuesday and Thursday. A man in retirement. So that tells you what we are saying here. So one of the problems that we have is that in the pursuit of success, we don't recognize that succession is built with only one currency. It's called time. Obafe Miawoloa cannot mentor your children the way you will do it. So every time your children need time with you and you give them a hundred naira note, and go and do something else, what you are asking is a dead man to go and mentor your kids. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. But time is not a case already gone. I'm sure that one day we would have the opportunity to really discuss this. How do we build transgenerational institutions? Three things you can write down very quickly. Number one, systems. A system is not the same thing as a process. A system is the documentation of a process so that you can learn from the processes and then re-engineer them as you go along. But more than anything else, even the re-engineering process is documented. When you find an institution, you cannot have meetings without minutes being taken. If you want to know what took place in 1954, in General Electric, it's there. There is somewhere that you will find it. You want to know the, the minutes of a simple marketing meeting in any of these wonderful, huge banks, Goldman Sachs and everything. So it's somewhere there. It's somewhere there. Everything is documented. Everything. Everything is recorded. Everything is archived. If I ask you the wrong decisions that took de facto out of works, nobody can learn from it because we don't even know what they did. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Number two, structure. Structure is not necessarily a diagram on a piece of paper. Now, I dare say structure is not even nomenclature. Structure is what you have when everybody knows what they are supposed to do and do not expect anybody else to do it. So there's no confusion 
as to who is supposed to receive the letter. There is no confusion as to who is supposed to receive a letter that is written to a particular person. So within a structured organization, you could find one person acting out many parts. But what it means is very simple. That I know what I am supposed to do and I'm not expecting anybody else to do it. So that if I do not, thank you very much, I'm coming there. If I do not do it, I don't expect it to get done. That is framed in one word and one word only. Responsibility. So you have a structure when everybody knows what they're responsible for. Did you get it? Did you understand it? The last succession. Three things that institutions have. Systems, structure, succession. Succession is not what you get after you have handed over. Succession is what lets you be able to hand over in peace. <laughs> so you don't walk on succession when you're about to leave. You walk on succession when you get there. And truth be told, great institutions do not build succession around one person. You don't find one guy and say, this guy that is going to succeed me. That's a foolish man. What if the guy dies just before you leave? Many old people have had the calamity of losing their first son that they invested their entire life in, hoping that he will be the one that you will carry all the burden of all the other things. They told the man, your son is dead. One year later, the man was gone. Succession is what you do to everybody to raise leaders in everyone so that everybody knows what the person ahead of them is doing and is being groomed to be able to do it. So, fella, what if, just what if, what if my children do not even want to carry on my business? What has that got to do with succession? God said, train up a child, not train up your, your child. child. Anyone that came to you in the first case should have been built. Institution-minded people are like Kuleshoria. They prepare at a very early age for when they are living. I found out that success is the process of making yourself indispensable. Greatness is the process of making yourself disposable. So that even when I'm not there, Things are happening. Trustingly, you don't have to become successful before you become great. In many
many cases, greatness will bring success, but success may not bring greatness. Does anybody understand? So I just wanted to challenge you from this point. That in your visioning of what to do to get what you want, I want you to please start thinking generationally. Start thinking generationally. It's not on. Why are you surprised that your son does not pass maths when you didn't pass maths? Abraham lied in Gerah to Abimelech, the king of Gerah. Didn't tell Isaac about it. Isaac did exactly the same thing Abraham did and told the same kind of lie. Why are you surprised? Sarah had a good idea. Come and sleep with Risika. Great idea, Abraham thought. No argument in that family. I always wonder what kind of man Abraham was. That your wife will say, come and sleep with the house girl. I'll be like, well, if you want, if you want it. <laughs> Isaac did not sleep with the house girl. So you know what happens? When it landed on Jacob, it landed twofold. Both his wives made him sleep with both two house girls because it escaped one generation. So there are things you are doing now that naturally will give an advantage to your children or a disadvantage to them. The decisions you are taking now are going to be naturally replicated again in the life of the children. Give you one last example and then I will close. I one day woke up and decided that my marriage was not working. For those who know my wife and I, how close we are, that would have been the most shocking thing. I woke up in the middle of the night and realized my marriage was not working. It's not working. It is not working. It is a shamble. So I went and woke my wife up. Tara! She said yes. I said our marriage is not working. She said, whose marriage? <laughs> I said, you are still asking me whose marriage. You see, that's what I'm saying. You are asking me whose marriage. She said, what are you talking about? I said, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. You never know what I'm talking about. That is one of the things I'm telling you. This marriage is not working. Otherwise, you would have known what I was talking about. She said, what has gotten into you? What has gotten into me? What has gotten into me? What has got... Whatever she said was the problem. So I said to her, I said, you know, this is all that I'm going to do. I'm going to now go and package a seamless divorce proceedings so that, you know, we are both people that a lot of people know about. So let's go do it in a way that will be very, I don't want, she said, what are you, please, fella, I don't understand. Can you, please? I said, you can never understand. You don't understand anything. You have never understood anything since I met you. 
I went, I came back with a 10 point agenda. Step by step. To be executed that morning, starting with me leaving the house. When I woke her up, I showed her. She said, what is this? I said, you can never know. She said, I just told you now. You, you don't listen to me? She said, I don't listen to you. I said, you are even telling me again you don't listen. <laughs> as soon as I finished, I said, you read it. By tomorrow morning, we start to execute. I got up. I'm going to the guest room. And from there, that's it. By morning time, I told her, you will not meet me in this house. As I was walking through the upper sitting room, the, the TBN was on. And I heard Bishop Jakes. And he was preaching about transgenerational cycles. And he said, as I was walking through, there is a man who has just determined in his heart that his marriage, that is wonderful, is not working. He said, go and check your lineage. This day in your father's life, he walked out on your mother. So I stopped. Because that sounded too much like me. I picked up. I remembered. My father died at the age of 42, going 43, in 1982. He left home in 1977. I calculated it. Everything came to 36 going on 37. I looked at myself. I was going to be 37 in about three months. The Holy Spirit told me on this exact day in your father's life, he walked out on your mother. So it was already. And Bishop Jake said, but I have come to announce to you the curse this day is born. And as he said it, it was as though something happened to me. And I started to cry. I started to speak in tongues. Tara came and was rubbing my back. And I just kept on saying to her, baby, it is broken. Baby, it is broken. Baby, it is broken. And she was just rubbing my back. And she just said, come back to bed. Come. We did not fight the day before. We had not had any argument. But someone had loaded disadvantage into a battle and handed it over to me. He did it with all the love in his heart. As far as he was concerned, he was living his own life. Never knowing at that time that he had programmed somebody else through genealogy. Today you can go past a red light and not be caught. But one day, your son will go past the same red light. But unfortunately, Nigeria would have been better by that time. He might be caught and thrown into jail. Simply because of one decision that you made. Transgenerational. I need people who will arise from here with a determination that they're not going to live for themselves alone, but they're going to live for an entire generation and generations to come. Abraham's actions did not affect Isaac alone, Jacob. 
His blessings did not affect Isaac and Jacob alone. Thousands of generations. Is there anybody here who would like to be able to say there are certain things that you must not pass over to your children? One of the things Tara and I had done when we were going to get married, we had realized that we both came from dysfunctional homes and we did everything. We went to the mountain of fire camp and went the one week before our wedding to pray and scatter everything. Perhaps it was for me on the day that my cycle came. It is possible that Bishop Jakes, I might meet him one day and he will say to me he never preached a message like that. Yeah. There are some matters that need to be settled here. Yes. Much has been learned, but much needs to be done. The Bible says, so is the word that comes out of my mouth. It shall not fall to the ground, or it shall not be void. It shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. Even this one you are hearing was sent to do something in your life. But the word of God is an accomplishing word. It has the capacity to accomplish. But I want to say to you also, the word of the enemy has the capacity to accomplish. So it's the word that you choose and the word that you speak over your life. The other thing I want you to understand is that the Bible says the zeal of the Lord shall perform it. So there is a grace of the Lord called zeal and it is a performing grace. And this day, I would like you, just only for those who want it, to rise up to their feet. Much has been said about about the visions that you have and how to accomplish your vision. Much has been said about about vision and, and how, how you need to get a vision that is bigger than you. But truth be told, a vision is only a picture that the tongue of the Lord paints upon your heart. Hello. How many of you believe God is here? FD. I was a major speaker that spoke this morning. I never knew what you were going to speak upon. How many of you can remember what I, what I closed with? Did you hear me mention Abiola? I asked you. I, I, said, I said, I'm very sure someone is coming today who will speak on transgenerational blessing. And I started asking, I said, I conducted a research 2009 on businesses in Nigeria that has I mean, gone through or crossed over to another generation and I only found it I, 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 I never knew you the Thomas Leadway and Thomas Insurance and even Thomas Insurance is not an insurance company it's a broker, broker. none in Nigeria that's to tell us that is a problem thank God for this man of God who has brought this again you know I was rushing when I was when I was concluding I was rushing it but the thing came you know, at the point in time Uganda as a nation was practically living on the shoulder of Abiola Abiola was financing the budget. But where is it today? Call Abiola's White House is behind my house in Antony. We need to pray. 
I am sure you have learned wisdom keys that will make you live above struggles and pressure of life and to stop running another man's race. For personal or group coaching session, visit our website today at www.kingsealcoachingacademy.org. You may also call 0703-971-4664 or 090-905-50072 or 0909-055-0073. Follow us on Twitter at Kings Hill CA. On Facebook, just type in Kings Hill Coaching Academy.